Hey guys, welcome back to the Well Said Podcast. My name is Andre, and I'm here again uh, to talk about what it means to follow Jesus in a post-Christian culture. And today's episode is kind of fun because I get to sit down with a guest and talk about how the gospel has influenced his life and how it's actually bleeding into his work and his place in the society and the community and how um, our connection and our faith in Jesus translates into the everyday work that we do. So I'm excited to talk about it. Serge. Hey. And can you can you pronounce your last name for me? Kotrovsky. Kotrovsky. Yeah. Because like a fellow Russian, I can read it, but there's different ways that we pronounce like Bol- Bolanov, Bolanov. I'm Bolanov or Bolanov. So yeah. Kotrovsky. Serge. Welcome to the show. Glad um, to be here. Yeah, so we're going to, you know, in a bit, I want to dive in to hear all about Mirror Coffee Roasters and all that stuff. But before that, give us a little background about yourself, where you grew up, uh, family, culture, church, that kind of thing. Yeah, totally. Well, immigrated to the United States when I was two from, you know, Soviet Union. Now it's Estonia, Narva, um, but still hold to the Russian culture. My parents, mm-hmm. Russian, Ukrainian. So is it Russian or is it Ukrainian? Because some people like to make that distinction, right? <laughs> it's yeah. Well, my mom speaks fluent Russian, okay. but she was born in Donetsk. Okay. So technically in Ukraine, but with the Soviet influence, like it all. Right. It all was one. Right. Same thing. Like I, I don't call myself Estonian. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but yeah. I was born in Narva, Estonia. So yeah, we immigrated and lived in Massachusetts for a while. It was just quite the miracle even getting there because our visas were like a lottery. We're basically political refugees trying yeah. to get in to the United States and had a sponsorship program that brought us in. And we lived in a church basement for a while. Wow. And it was quite it was quite interesting for my parents. One, the culture shock. They're dealing with so much change and also like trying to figure out like okay what what are they going to build and create and how are they going to raise their family in america right um, so after a while they heard about a slavic movement heading up the west coast of the united states mm-hmm. and they heard that it landed in bellingham washington mm-hmm. so my parents being the pioneers and the adventurers they are and my mom being a gypsy you know gypsies don't stay in the same place <laughs> they're mobile <laughs> exactly nice. so um, we packed our bags and we had um, I forget the model but it was one interesting Cadillac Cadillac nice. Isn't that weird right? nice yeah so, a Russian family in the Cadillac, <laughs> in the Cadillac cross country. exactly cross country um, awesome. got to uh, north of Bellingham Washington in like the Sumas Maple Falls area and literally, it was pioneering to the core. We lived in a camp area, like no permanent living wow. in that area. So it was wow. really, really wild. And by that, I mean literally wild. That's amazing. Um, there would be like stories of like people are like, man, like don't set, let your kids out. There's like bears on the street Wolves, tonight. coyotes. <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh. exactly. So wild. But um, it was quite the journey and super interesting. And the community, the Russian community grew and flourished and um, churches started getting planted, and I just grew up. I think my high school was like seven to nine percent Russian, hmm. so huge wow. Russian community, and um, very, very uh, family oriented and connected. So that's basically that was my growing up influence with the Russian culture, Russian traditions in the church. Nice, the nice. Part. How many? How many brothers sisters? You guys I have, have two brothers and two sisters. Nice. What yeah. would you guys um what was home like in terms of like work or 
you know, calling and, or creativity, you know, because I know, you know, we'll, we'll get into the whole coffee thing and it's a creative world. It's a, it's a, it's right. a sense of vocation, like the calling and yeah. um, what, what was work like for you guys growing up? Uh, I think the motive behind work was more about the income yeah. and being able to sustain the family. Right. So it wasn't necessarily success driven, but it was like financially driven. So right. success was more tied around finances. Um, so my dad and my mom, they cared about the most was like, hey, like we want to make sure that you are raised that you have what you need. They knew that as the, I'm the oldest. So as the oldest child in the family, that it would be harder for me to grow up than let's say my younger siblings. Cause right. they were a little more established income was, you know, flowing in. I mean, my, my dad, especially in Massachusetts, he worked on a farm for wow. you know, one or two bucks an hour trying to pull 12 hour days, you wow. know, back in the early nineties. And then when we moved to Washington, one, my both my parents never spoke any English. Wow. So that was huge. Like my dad tried to go to college. It didn't really work out for him. So, but my dad is also a handyman. Like he knows how to do everything. Um, right. Everything from fixing houses to, you know, or uh, building houses to fixing cars. Like he's just good with, and just, he's smart. He's a yeah. smart guy. Very what, uh, quick What thinker. did he end up doing here in terms of work? Yeah, for work, he joined a company that was a wood company in Ferndale. Gotcha. And it, it's pretty well-established, known um, kind of wood company that makes moldings. Yep. Started working for them, and he's still working for them. So my dad is a man of commitment. Yeah. It's a hard yeah. job, but he's persevered, and now he's pretty established there. Yeah. And on the side, he did a lot of construction work. Yeah. A lot. I, we were just talking before we were recording that. Uh, the, our immigrant community is is really safety oriented in terms of uh, economics, right? Yeah. And 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 work and and creativity is almost something that I feel like, um, I don't know. I feel like it was almost absent in in our immigrant culture in the last twenty years. It was just hold on to your faith, don't let the worldly influence of the world around get in, and also work really hard and uh, get a safe paying job that kind of thing absolutely so yeah for, with that my example would be like my aunt she just super talented uh super good voice very musically able and so is my uncle um, but they would never have seen those creative giftings right. to be a complete source of income right maybe they'll you know sell a cd or a tape at church of like worship music right but that would be the extent of where it would go. Even right. though, I mean, honestly, my aunt is like brilliant when it comes to music, like super good voice, like musically mm -hmm. able. She's really, really good at that. But because creativity was like secondary subpar, it's not called serious yeah. work, yep. you know? So yep. it totally. was always neglected. I personally wanted to be a, a photographer, you know? And when I brought that idea to my parents, my parents were just like, you're never going to make any money with yeah, photography. Yeah. Like, Get a real job first, then do fun things. Yeah, right? that's fun. Yeah, yeah for exactly. sure. Um, so in terms of uh, your faith, maybe give me a sketch of how your faith evolved through this journey, because I know all this interconnects, right? Right, totally. So grew up pretty conservative. Uh, my family is always like, has always like God was the reason and the right. priority. Um, <clears throat> one of the major reasons that we moved to the United States because literally my dad felt like God was leading him 
out of Soviet Russia into the United States. So God was the core, the anchor to everything that I was raised on. Mm-hmm. Um, everything from you know day to day life, like my pa- my family and parents still value the whole idea of gathering together in the morning and praying together mm-hmm. to start the day. So those like core traditional values, like I recited the Lord's Prayer since I mean I could remember yeah. how to talk. Like I don't ever remember not knowing the Lord's Prayer memorized. Right. You know that, that's cool so, though. I mean, and that that embeds into your consciousness, right? Like totally. in a deep way. Yeah, totally. So it defined my worldview quite significantly. Like I, I don't know what it means to grow up and be surrounded around non-God-driven or God-thinking or mm-hmm. a biblical worldview. I don't know that, mm-hmm. um, which there's, you know, blessings to both. Like, you know, there's a pro to not knowing and being protected and always uh, understanding that God is always present. And there's also like cons to the fact like I didn't have that maybe like, you know, almost violent transitional like, the quotable Christian Paul to Saul. Like, right, right. You know, I was a persecutor of Christians and now I'm a believer. Like, yeah, yeah but my, I would say my initial um, kind of response to the gospel was quite comical. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I was very young. I don't, I don't even, maybe it was a 10 or younger. And I had, I was sitting on the couch. I, I remember this so vividly. It's so strange. Like it's embedded in my mind. I can, when I'm talking about it right now, I see it as a video, mm. like how it happened. But I'm sitting on the couch. No one's home. My, well, my mom is home, but no, no one else. And I don't know why I stayed from school that day. And my mom was cooking in the kitchen. We had like a separating wall from the living room to the kitchen. So I didn't see her. But I would watch sermons on mm-hmm. VHS tapes. And wow. They would have, my parents would have sermons. Your pious soul. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was just kind of ingrained, you know, in me. That's so cool. I was just, I loved it. I, I loved teaching. And like, that's, I saw how that actually was like, I was doing that because of out of my desire for how God created right. me, you know. And I'm watching the sermon and it was basically, um, you know, who Jimmy Swagger is. Yeah. <laughs> so it was a Jimmy Swagger sermon wow. <laughs> dubbed in Russian. Oh my like, gosh. And I had no idea who these preachers. I don't right. honestly remember right. what was in the sermon. But what I do remember is I had this like revelation of like, whoa, I'm not good. Yeah. It was just simply that. It, it wasn't even like, oh, I'm this awful person. It was just like, I'm just, humanity is not perfect. Yeah. We're broken. You know yeah. what I mean? We're, we have a disease, like yeah. there's something off. So I had that revelation and I remember just feeling like overwhelmed by like, I need help. Like I need Jesus. Right. Hmm. Simply like that. Uh, my response was with that overwhelming sense was like, I'm going to hide behind the couch and start crying. Yeah. And wow. I, my mom runs into the room. She hears me weeping. She's like, what's wrong? Who, what? There's no one here. Like yeah. what's going on? Yeah. And I'm like, whatever that's going on on that tape, like yeah. that is just hitting me hard right now. Wow. And um, I would always go back to that experience of saying like, okay, I experienced um, God in a way that has like put me on a projection to always know him. Hmm and to always pursue him and to always grow in my faith. Right, right. That's amazing. How old are you? I want to say like in the age of 10. Wow. Maybe a little wow. younger. Cool. Yeah. So um, there was a season, I, I want to jump to the coffee stuff, but 
there was a season where you kind of um, transitioned. So there's 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 a season of your life between this growing up in the in your your Russian church setting and your current life as a coffee enthusiast and entrepreneur and what what yeah. what what made that transition because y- your upbringing was very traditional your current lifestyle is not necessarily that although Christ is still at the center of it all right um, in a, in a really brief nutshell give us a sketch of how that happened so i had another experience with god that put me in a place of kind of seeking him and asking like hey like i want more is this all that i have to life i was working hard you know Mm. and where were you working i was actually a medical assistant oh cool yeah i was a cna safe job yeah safe Safe. job making money i was really good at it man like (laughs) all of the patients were like dude like can we get surgeon here (laughs) like patients love me i was just good with people yeah and that was like kind of my heart and love was like i wanted to be with people and hear their stories and um, so the job was good i was overworking but i got to a point where i'm like okay i need to find out like right is there more to life than this and i ran into a few people who were working with youth with a mission uh-huh. and the way they talked about god i was actually um dating a girl that was in ywam and the way she would share about Jesus to me, it actually frustrated me, but also inspired me. Yeah. Because he was so close. He was so personal to her, yeah. you know, and I, and I wanted that. So I ended up doing Youth with a Mission, doing a discipleship training school, school of ministry development, um, a Bible school, and ended up staying with Youth with a Mission for about eight years wow. full time. Mm-hmm. Um, and during the end of that, when I transitioned from full time to part time is when I started working in Indonesia uh-huh. and started working on coffee farms. Okay. And I grew up drinking coffee. I mean, right. you know, it's the Northwest. Ev- it's the Northwest. Yeah. Everything from Starbucks woods to even, I was think I was telling you earlier about going to black drop during college days. Yeah. You know, that, that was, was kind of, yeah, that was still like, open, man, right? Yeah. Yeah. still open. Though. Yeah. Going strong. Yeah. yeah. The definitely the interesting spot in town and people love it. And they bring in such a dynamic group of people, which is what drew me to black drop. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would uh, go to all these coffee shops and coffee was in a sense, a staple kind of commodity to right. my life, mm-hmm. kind of everyday thing, you know, nothing super special, but fu- quite fundamental. Mm-hmm. Um, but after being in Indonesia and working with just different people groups there, I noticed that coffee is actually kind of foundational. It's like, it's not just a commodity in their life. It's basically their livelihood. Right. Like, it's not not like not like it is for us. It's a it's a luxury. Yeah. But for them, it's a different different yeah. ballgame. Like I had numerous um, conversations like that I would never have been able to have. If there wasn't that tying gra- uh, ground of like that common ground of coffee. Hmm. Um, like for example, I was sitting in Indonesia and talking to some leaders in their community who are predominantly Muslim people. And I would sit down over a cup of coffee and talk theology. That's so cool. You know, and that coffee, not only were we drinking it, um, that household, the woman of the household would go and roast it on a pan. Wow. An hour before we drink it. Wow. And that coffee not only was roasted on the pan in that kitchen, it was grown in their backyard. Wow. So coffee was so, like, important to these people. I had a, I was walking on the streets of Indonesia and trying to write, I was trying to write a book on the people of Indonesia, taking photos, you know, asking questions. And 
I come up to this guy and I was fumbling for my like recorder because I wanted to record the dialogue so I wouldn't get anything wrong. And he looks at me and he's like, man, you Americans. He's like, you know, in Indonesia, we get together over coffee and smokes because, you know, cut the smokes part. But you know yeah, what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Like that their fundamental thing was like coffee. And that was a point of revelation to me. Like if I want to connect with these people mm. in Indonesia and then it grew to like outside of Indonesia to Southeast Asia, then grew to like the rest of the world, like coffee is a neutral and safe ground for all of this to happen. Mm. It truly builds community. Right, right. Wow. So um, you were there on a missions trip initially, not Correct. you. Kind, so you kind of fell into the the calling of coffee by accident, seeing that it's a common ground for missions. How much? How, how long did you spend there? In Indonesia, on and off, I would go back and forth for three years. Wow. So that's some at some point, uh, sometimes I would be there roughly two to three months, other times a few weeks, but. I was establishing a long-term discipleship movement. Mm -hmm. Wow. And so is this still connected to YWAM or is it now a separate thing? So technically I was sent out by YWAM, but um, Mm -hmm. because Indonesia is the largest Muslim nation in the world, Mm -hmm. they actually like organizations like YWAM are technically illegal. Oh, wow. Yeah. Or uh, technically. So they also draw a threat. So most of the, YWAMers there or any kind of mission workers are simply called M's or Y's. And they're basically just missionaries who really believe in incarnational missions. Mm -hmm. Um, Instead of um, bringing some kind of Western structure, they want to basically become like the Indonesian and then spread, you know, the story and the gospel through that. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. So you get into this whole thing. Is this when you came back and started to be more interested in working with coffee, lattes in the coffee shop setting? How did that transition happen? Yeah. So once again, I had like a ton of time where I was just like super conflicted with that idea of like, do I leave clergy, like full-time ministry, ministry or type yeah, stuff. ministry? Yeah. And then go into something that is not really considered a prestigious job, mm-hmm. you know. And back to referring to my parents, like for my parents, I went, it was a shock. Like I have everything I need to go to college and get a degree and I chose to do mission work. Right. Where I had to raise my own finances. Right. Now leaving mission work, clergy, where I've established eight years of my career, they're like, you're going to go work in a coffee shop? Right. right. What are you thinking? Yeah. Like yeah. you're not going to make any money again. And I think at that point is when I was like, man, like it ha- this has to be it. If God is not calling me to do this, then it is quite stupid. Mm-hmm. Like, I might as well become a pastor because that's where all my experience has. I right. had, you know, the education, the experience uh, overseas. Like I could have just taken a role as a youth minister and grew into being a, a pastor or maybe planting a church. Right. Logically. Right. But at that point, I felt like, man, if I want to reach people where they're at, I have to go to the common ground. Mm-hmm. And to me, the revelation was like coffee and the coffee shop experience is the common ground. Right, right. And so how did that become a passion? Because it seemed so yeah. I follow you on Instagram and all your guys is cool yeah. latte competitions. And like, so to you, it has become a passion. Right. The actual work has become a passion. Yes. How did that 
how did that transition happen in ter- to, to, to seeing it as a potential avenue to, to being a light and actually it becoming also a passion? Yeah, I think for the most part, it was just experiencing the workflow. Like I had no idea what coffee was. So it wasn't the outside experience that brought me into the coffee community. It was making that choice and saying, I'm going to pursue this and see it. So I stepped into my first coffee shop, never for a job, especially like never um, pulled a shot of espresso, never Mm -hmm. steamed any milk, Mm -hmm. nothing. And the more I saw people do it, the more I practiced it, the more it kind of like sucked me in. It was like, this isn't as easy as people say it is. Yeah. And it takes skill. There's an art to it. It's a craft. Like um, everything from the science of extraction and how espresso is being pulled and developed um, to making sure your milk isn't hot or cold and that the foam is like nice and spread out even that microphone. Like all of those things are so intricate and they drew me to like basically oh i want to learn more about this right and i want to be good at what i do and i've always you know everything i do i'm i'm like a pretty i guess i don't know perfectionist a. Yeah. yeah i didn't want to use that word yeah yeah you know, that's <laughs> or, not or, a positive trait <laughs> right right or or just just really you you try to drive to excel Yes. Maybe, maybe an excellentist yeah. is, is the next In word. pursuit of excellence. Yes, there you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's so awesome. Definitely. And, uh, you know, that came out quite evident in coffee. And mm. I was just continue to grow and get better, you know. And nice. Today, I mean, yesterday when I was pouring lattes, I'm like, man, I have so far to go to be better at what I do. Mm. Everything from the, you know, minor things like latte art isn't crucial to coffee. It just looks good and it's artistic. Right. But everything, you know, from dialing in espresso and how to make it taste better and um, to basic like batch brew extraction and how filtered coffee is extracted. All of these things are so complex and I'm always pursuing excellence in that, but also wanting to grow and understand what I'm doing. Right. No, yeah, I think um, for me, it's been this really cool process of uh, the more we learn about God in the Bible, the more we realize that God is in a sense an, an insane perfectionist. I mean, if you look at, you know, you look at the, you look at the solar systems and galaxies, and then you zoom into the the life inside a single human cell, and down to the atomic level, like all of creation is a delicate, intricate dance. Like it, yeah. it it's an amazing, perfectionistic um, work of art that God is doing. And he's doing a lot of it. And we're not even like, you know, none of us are seeing what's going on in the ocean floor, hundreds of feet below right. the surface. He's still doing all those amazing miracles. He's still performing intricate works of art every single day. Like God is in the details. He cares about beauty and beauty is everywhere because he is everywhere working. Right. Um, totally. So learning to learning to develop that sense of wonder and 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 to see the beauty in in every kind of trade, you know, um, it's an in, it's it's a huge component to taking our faith right to where we work to see that this is not just something that I there's not there isn't this sacred secular divide right. where you know I go do my Sunday thing and then I just do everyday life. Um, so tell us about Mirror Coffee Roasters. So this is all leading into the story, and this is kind of like where where we are now. Yeah. So the idea came 
when I recently moved back to Washington State, living in Florida, with uh, doing all the YWAM stuff, and started my coffee uh, coffee work in Florida. Worked for a roasting company there, so cool. I worked for a couple roasters and got introduced to roasting. And the idea that roasting coffee is in my opinion, this is completely subjective sure. to my worldview. And you are entitled to your opinion. <laughs> right. <laughs> For sure. So in my opinion, like coffee has everything in it. Huh. And it's simply our job to pull out what's already there. Mm-hmm. To me, that's the gospel. Huh. <laughs> you know, um, God has done everything for us already. Mm-hmm. We're just growing in revelation of what he's done. Mm-hmm. So the whole aspect of roasting coffee is to me very spiritual and mystical Hmm. because what I'm trying to do, I'm not trying to create, I'm not trying to add anything there. I'm just trying to use fire, which is another fun simile, right? to bring out all the goodies, right? to kill off stuff that we don't want to taste in a cup, Mm -hmm. but to also to balance it out with the sweetness, the complexity of the acidity in the coffee, those things are so volatile that if you add a little too much fire, you'll burn them out. If you don't add enough fire, you won't get the sweetness. And that intricate kind of like mystical experience with coffee is what pushed uh, me to share this with my brother Mark and be like, hey, I have this idea. Uh-huh. And part of that, like you were saying, like the whole idea of a dance, like that like God works in this flow, all everything I experienced in YWAM inspired me to also continue my work with people right or to get even more specific overseas work mm-hmm. um, coffee once again is a overseas product we don't go coffee coffee in the united states right. at least not enough to produce there's some stuff happening in california but we're still not there where coffee is not produced in the united states mm-hmm. so my tie with indonesia i saw that there connection with coffee was also deep and mystical and my connection in coffee is the same and I wanted to bridge that gap so that idea Mm -hmm. and the story of like okay we I see the work there I want to impact those people because those people see value in coffee and I want to show the people how valuable they are through creating a long-term relationship not just buying a product and walking away and being like, see you later. Right. But creating that one-on-one farm relationship, impacting them, educating them, helping them, one, not only increase the quality of life for them personally, but also to create a product that now increases and elevates the quality of life to the consumer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Firsthand, like coffee shops, you know, Makeworth, right. Right. Uh, Black Drop, like the better the quality of coffee the ex- the more elevated the experience of the consumer is right right so that's what drew drew me and then my brother mark into mm-hmm. that pursuit of saying man we want coffee not only to reflect the reflect what we are passionate about but we want to reflect the farmer's passion and heart growing and we want to make sure that our finances everything we invest our time is going towards those people to also create their livelihood to be elevated as well as the consumer and us. That's amazing. So how is that, um, how, how do you envision that relationship with the farmers and how do you envision, because I'm, I'm assuming that not all coffee companies 
care about the life of the farmer, the well-being of indigenous people there, right? right. How, how is it different for you guys? How is that relationship going to look like? Yeah, so in the coffee industry, the big talk right now is um, sustainability. Mm-hmm. How do we make sure that coffee is sustainable? And some people are saying, man, let's just pay more for coffee. And some people are saying, well, that's not necessary. You know what I mean? We need to do other things. My opinion is we have to do more than just one thing. Paying a, paying a fair wage is vital. Mm-hmm. But knowing where that fair wage is going is crucial. Right. Like we have to know that when we buy green coffee and we we look the inter, at the international market, that the finances aren't simply going to an importing company or a co-op, that the finances are going back into the farm mm-hmm. and then not only paying the farmers, but establishing a long-term vision for that farm. Right. So my example is in Indonesia, I'm not going to say this guy's name because she sure. lives there, um, but... In Indonesia, I have a friend who I discipled, mentored. We've been friends for a long time. I mean, I think six or seven years now. He's worked in Indonesia for close to five years now. Okay. He's about to get married to Indonesia. Wow. Super committed. He's all in. He's all in. Like, that's his life. He is working at the raw state. Like, at the very beginning, he's planting coffee, growing coffee, processing coffee, roasting coffee and exporting coffee so he is my is trusted american or is yeah. he russian or he's he, american he's from the west okay cool yeah so i i he met him in there. jacksonville yeah um he was with youth with a mission we worked together man i just want to name drop so bad because he's such man he's a beautiful guy he's yeah. so awesome like he's just such a good soul such a good heart and i can trust him because i know his love for Indonesian people mm-hmm. like I think what mere coffee roasters has is something that I don't know of any other roasting company that has that close of connection to the actual farm mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. if my guy there ever mistreated an Indonesian I would be completely shocked right because I know I know, you know him and I is. know his heart yeah. yeah so for me to pay him even a little bit extra, I know that that money isn't simply going to his pocket, but because of his heart, that money is going to go back into the farm, back to the Indonesian mm. people. And not only is his heart to like make sure they have a good livelihood, he cares about their full and complete well-being, mm-hmm. physical, you know, emotional, mental, spiritual. Mm-hmm. Like he's there to not like in the Christian circles we call, he's there not to only give part of the gospel, but the complete gospel. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. And so is he there um, living just for, mostly focused on the coffee farming or is he there also with a missional focus? You know, is he he working with churches or anything? Is there anything like that too going on or? So right now he's working amongst a people group that is 99.9% Muslim. So, and I've been there many, many times. Um, and it's it's very, very interesting. So when we would go out and talk with people and they're like, they're super uh, spiritual. So that's, one of their first questions is like, what do you believe? They will that's ask so you. That's so cool. It's so Don't awesome. you wish Americans were more like that? I know, <laughs> right? I mean, the West doesn't have that vulnerability. Like, what do you believe is something you would ask like 
way you know, later. <laughs> yeah, so, some people ask that, like, they marry someone and they never ask that yeah, to, like, yeah. five years into their marriage. Yeah. You know, but that can be one of the first questions you ask when you sit down with huh. people. Because they want to know, but they also want to share. So when I was there, I would share, talk about my beliefs, Jesus, talk mm-hmm. about how God has impacted my life. And they would look at me and they would say, man, you're such a great Muslim. <laughs> That's they have no concept yeah like the yeah. idea of christianity is culture mm-hmm. it's not a way of life oh very interesting yeah yeah well and and i think actually that is way more true than we christians in the west ever realize because we think that we're just proclaiming a message about jesus and we don't realize how much our worship is culturally expressed and contextualized yeah. So you have to be aware of the message and the way that your culture appropriates that message. Because if you want to proclaim Jesus effectively, you have to understand that different people will um, worship and and receive the gospel slightly differently than you will, even though it's the same exact message unchanged, Right. right? So we're not trying to make them... American Christians or Russian Christians. Right. Um, we, we, we have a hard time with this in the Russian church community where we think pretty much every other cultural expression equals a heretical uh, right. deviation, right? But to, to realize that we are here to proclaim the good news of Jesus, that does not mean that we need to make them dress like us, talk like us, look like us in order to be real Christians. Right. You know? But we, we're not aware of that. Maybe they, they are more aware of you know, the fact that you, how you worship and how you live is interconnected. Yeah, you know? definitely. I think one of my favorite things in especially places like Bali, and this may sound harsh, you know, especially on a podcast, especially for Western ears, it may sound harsh, but one of their sayings is like, if you are not spiritual, then you're mentally disabled. Mm. They just don't believe in the concept that, you know, there's spiritual and there's secular. Right. There's no such thing. They don't understand, like, uh, for the most part, they don't have the tendencies that we have in the West to think binary. Mm -hmm. They basically think it's all together. It's all one, Mm -hmm. you know. So, which, once again, there's pros and cons to that. I mean, there's a lot of fear within their religion and context of belief. There's a lot of fear. They're not a love-driven people. Mm -hmm. They're more of preservation we got to save everything we got to make sure that we're safe we got to appease the gods like sitting at at a beach in bali and all of a sudden in the middle you look there's like a ton of australian people like you'll see a ton of like white people there Mm -hmm. and then in the middle of white people there's like this like row of people walking like huge i'm talking about 50 people dressed up in colorful garments like carrying fruits meats and dumping them in the river and into the ocean simply to appease the tsunami gods because it was tsunami season wow wow that's amazing yeah because for us i think in the west we don't realize that we're always worshiping even though we are and because of that we don't realize we don't realize how deficient our view of the spiritual realm is especially in a secular uh, pacific northwest you know yeah uh if you, if you were to ask that question that the guy asked you over coffee in the coffee line at Makeworth, uh, you know, the first question you, you ask somebody, oh, hey, oh, uh, who do you worship? 
You know, that yeah. that's like that's almost like the most offensive thing you can even ask, you <laughs> right. know. Yeah. Um, but the reality is that everyone worships. And so, like, as as messengers of the gospel here, we, we need to learn to communicate that and, and help people see themselves better. So totally. that's amazing. So for you, Mirror Coffee is it's it's a way to do excellent work. It's a way to make an amazing product, but also in a totally holistic way that is not only making good coffee and, you know, not only even sustaining local economy back there, uh, but also creating a, a network of connection and trust and relationship between this Christian man and, and a Muslim population. Right. Um, so, so, and he's eventually kind of, I'm guessing like his work there, he's there as a missionary to kind of proclaim the good news, to, to be a witness of the right. gospel to the people over there. Yeah, definitely. So he's committed to a long-term discipleship movement there. That's amazing. Yeah, and especially amongst uh, people groups like those I mentioned, mm-hmm. um, it it takes time. Yeah. You know, if we want, if we want to make like, missions a result-based kind of system then going to places like indonesia is like yo don't waste your time yeah you know it takes time it takes incarnation i mean i love referring to the life of jesus when i talk about this because for jesus it took time Mm -hmm. you know he didn't start his ministry till his 30s yeah you know and sometimes we wish that we could go to a nation that is unreached and completely like you know say a couple of sermons and leave and it would be done. Right. But it literally takes living, sleeping, eating, experiencing life day to day to show and demonstrate people the way of Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. Because the, I don't think the problem is that everybody's opposed to Jesus. I just believe the problem is people don't really know who he truly is. Right, right. Well, and that's that's definitely the case here in the West where – People have overheard the name Jesus and Christianity, and 99% of the people you talk to don't know the basic sketch of what a biblical Christian, the biblical Christian message is. They don't know. Right. So, and I think that's an amazing paradigm to think long term because to be, you know, the the thing that I'm always trying to draw out in this podcast is, you know, the the, the narrative of following Jesus in a post-Christian culture. We're we're followers of Christ. It's a journey. It takes time. And our generation especially, I feel like we are so results-oriented. We are so with our careers, with our creativity, with our relationships, with everything, with our worship. We want, you know, we come to church and we want that boom experience of like, ha, God has spoken to me. Life is good. Um, I've got my coffee. I've got my church family. All is well, you know. But real process, real discipleship takes time. Real mission takes time, whether that be in Indonesia or whether that be here, you know. um, Reaching out to people around you and and proclaiming the good news. Or even, I think, what I'm loving and what I'm seeing here is that embedding the reality of the gospel deep into your work. Not just on a surface like, you know, I think we tend to, you know, the Christian movement, the Christian, uh, the contemporary Christian music movement. And then we got the Christian books and the Christian movies. Everything is so, it's got this really shallow Jesus stamp on it. Right. It's not embedded deep. Um, It's like, you know, when you look at um, the Lord of the Rings stories, 
I, I can hardly preach a certain sermon or record a single episode without referring to Lord of the Rings. But <laughs> awesome. the, the, what, what I love about Tolkien is that the gospel reality is so deep embedded. It's, it's permeated in the whole story that you don't get this surface, Jesus died for your sins and repent, which we need to proclaim that too. Right. But when you read it, you're, you're, you're submerged into the full beauty of what it means to look at life through a biblical lens. Yeah, you know? totally. And that's complicated. That's nuanced. That takes time. Right. You know? So how, how is the process with rolling out? When are you guys going to start selling? How can people get a hold of Mirror Coffee Roasters and follow you guys? Yeah. So the easiest way to keep track of what, what we're doing in our progress is on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, that's very, very easy. We love creating content. That's also another uh, very big passion of ours. But if you follow us on Mirror Coffee Roasters, all one word in mirror, like a mirror, like mm-hmm. a reflection mirror. Um, so M-I-R-R-O-R Coffee Roasters. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'll find us um, on there. We're, I think, the only company with that name. Nice. So it's going to be very, very easy to find. Um, so follow us there. I think at this point, we've definitely started roasting. Um, we've seasoned our roaster, which is super exciting. Nice. Brand new machine. Um, I saw pictures. That looks amazing. Yeah. Diedrich really hooked us up, did a beautiful job. Um, my dad built out the roastery, and you know Mark is there a ton, and he's definitely trying to perfect all the roast curves and all that. And as soon as we get that dialed in and the roast curve will be selling and we're hoping that as early as the end of this week or the beginning of next. So then we have, you know, logistics. There's a few logistics like packaging still. We have a logo and all that obviously on like our Instagram, mm-hmm. but we're still trying to see, you know, we want to make a special uh, basically limited edition um, box for the first 50 Nice. Um, I think that would be really, really cool and really memorable. So we're working on that and trying to define that. But for the most part, we're full blown ahead. You That's know? amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. I think, I think just to kind of wrapping up, I think the the, the the there's it's a unique thing to see such a strong connection between the spiritual calling of discipleship and everyday work. The simplicity of the everyday work of roasting coffee beans and making coffee, right? And I think, um, you know, the challenge for a lot of young people today, especially as believers, is to connect that dot, to, to, to look at what they are doing, whether they're sitting in college classroom or flipping burgers or, you know, interning somewhere, to see that what I am doing here matters, uh, it, and it matters uh, eternally, you know. So, so I think that our generation is kind of caught trying to connect the spiritual and, and the physical because the culture is so thoroughly secular that that even though we don't, you know, we, we don't say we're atheists. There's very few atheists, but we have a very mechanical view of reality. We don't see God right. present, yeah. you know. So I think this whole idea of mirror coffee roaster, and I think your guys' little tagline there is the inside of the bean is what matters. Right. right. And so you're bringing that out. The bean itself is almost an al- analogy to the gospel of what right. God does to us. Yeah. You totally. know, and also the the the, law, the the straight line connection between this work and a work of spiritual uh, and relational and community building overseas. You know, it, it shows you the, the full circle of how 
one ordinary job impacts other people, can impact the proclamation of the gospel, can show love, can build community, you know, which is, I think is a beautiful picture of even if any of us don't have that full amazing picture, we, we realize that the gospel is that long-term project of embedding ourselves where we are, right. loving people, uh, building relationships over a long haul, yeah. and, um, totally. and, and being a light as we you know, tell the gospel. Right. Um, so that's amazing. Um, hey, thank you so much for the time today. I feel like we can go on and on. We'll probably have to come back and do it again, but I really appreciate uh, your time. And thank you guys so much for listening, for watching. This is our first uh, video. So if you guys are listening on, on iTunes or whatever, this is our first video. You can check it out on YouTube. We'll have a link in our Instagram and uh, we'll have a link to Mirror Coffee Roasters. And uh, send us your thoughts. Check out Mirror Coffee Roasters on Instagram. Uh, follow us if you're not already following us. My main thing is on Instagram too, uh, the Well Said uh, podcast. And uh, we'd love to hear what you thought. Share it with a friend, and uh, we will talk to you guys again soon. Thanks. Thanks.